Welcome to Unconformed Podcast. This is a 30-ish minute podcast created by Darius Watkins and Ryan Thomas. We are two black males discussing the intersections between faith and culture. So join us on this ride while we chop it up for the next 30-ish minutes. Man, welcome back to the Uncle Farm Podcast, man. Today on the podcast, we got a very special guest. Uh, this guy's been on the podcast before. Um, unfortunately, he was hating on my Lakers, but we're going to leave the past in the past and uh, not reading it up again. <laughs> uh, but this guy is uh, the founder of, uh, co-founder of Ant Campaign. This guy um, is an author. Uh, this guy uh, is the host of Church Politics Podcast and just a dope person overall. I'm talking about our guy, Justin Giveney. What's good, man? What's going on, brothers? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Justin. We gl- glad to have you back on the podcast, man. You know, last time we had you on, uh, you know, we talked about a few political things that was going on. For those who don't know, the AND campaign, you know, I always try to figure out the best way to phrase it. Uh, is is it like mm-hmm. neutral, politically neutral, or is that not really the right term? I would just say it's politically Christian, right? So our biggest okay. thing mm-hmm. is is not depending on partisanship, not depending on ideology, conservative or progressive, but really just figuring out whether things are right or wrong based on our faith. There you go. Politically Christian. Okay. That's what's up. And, and like, one thing we know is not Christian is Vanderbilt. But with that being said, <laughs> like, even though they are not, like, I got to give y'all folks some props, man. Y'all, y'all won two guys in a row now? Two SEC, <laughs> two SEC guys in a row? Is that right? That's right. That's right. Man. And, and y'all got Tennessee coming up, the uh, quarterback towards ACL, so you, you don't got to play against um, a Heisman hopeful. Yeah, I like y'all chances. I can't lie. Like, um, by the time this podcast come out, the episode will be. I mean, the the game will be over. But what are you anticipating, Vanderbilt versus Tennessee? I mean, you never want to see anybody get hurt. Uh, so, so prayers out to that brother, man. I, he has a bright future ahead of him. Uh, but I'll say this: they don't play no defense, man. And when you don't play any defense. You you let South Carolina score sixty on you. I think it opens you up for uh, anybody to come in. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm a fan of Clark Lee too. I think y'all found like the perfect coach um, for Vanderbilt and for what he's trying to do. Like he recruiting well, so on and so forth, man. I, I'm like as a, I graduated from Ole Miss, we play Vanderbilt once a year, um, which we're hope we're grateful that that's our SEC East opponent um, once a year. But he making things look a little shaky over there, so I, I don't know if I want to play them moving forward. Clark's a good dude, man. I, I actually played – me and Clark played together. So, I think he was a year under me or something like that. So, oh, wow. Uh, he's a good brother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the for the program. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, but, like, it, say, it seemed like he, he got things orderly and whatnot. And today we're going to talk about yeah. um, law and order versus um, what, what some people would call uh, progressive criminal justice reform. Um, and and when I say when I say that, like kind of the definition that we operate off of when we say uh, when, when Ryan and myself and maybe some other people say law and order, like we just say that would be like uh, harsher sentences. Some people would say uh, doing your full term. Um, some people would say it may correlate to things like stop and frisk and things like that. That um, people would consider just a little bit more intentional um, in the way that some people police. Um, how would you yourself describe law and order? Yeah, I mean, what it means, well, there's what it should mean and mm-hmm. what, it, what it means. I think when a lot of people hear law and order, that's that's kind of a conservative talking point, uh, which to me is, 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 is about being very heavy handed. Right. It's this no nonsense approach that I think in many cases just, just lacks compassion. I think it's it's partially the cause of, of mass incarceration It's the cause of a lot of uh, really a lot of, of broken homes. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I hear law and order. It's not something that that I think of positively. Now yeah. we know we have a God of order, right? We saw so order within itself is not bad. Law mm-hmm. within itself is not bad. 
In fact, right. what law and order should mean mm-hmm. is that people can live within a society with a certain level of stability, with a certain level of certainty. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That there's that there's going to be rules, and that you can anticipate how those how the rules are going to are, are going to uh, move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what law and order should mean. It means that that there's structure to society. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, once it becomes kind of a political talking point, it becomes something that's very harsh and again uncompassionate in many instances. Yeah, no, um, nah, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, you pretty, you pretty much nailed that. And then, and then we talk about like criminal justice reform. Um, again, like these words, like on on their face, like I'll sound good and I'll look good, and, and like if you just in a perfect world, you could use both of these phrases and everything will be good. That's just not where we are. Um, but I think that when people think of criminal justice reform, like they may think of um, a, a heavier focus on mental health, um, mental health, um, maybe not necessarily in policing, but like in assistance to policing. Uh, some people may think of um, the ending of discriminatory sentences. Uh, some people may think of like some kind of sentencing regulation and maybe like the uh, re- reimagining or even like the doing away with bail in some cases. So like that's kind of like what we think of when we say when we hear the phrase criminal justice reform. What about you? Like when you hear that phrase, what are you thinking? How would you define it? Yeah, I think you I think you guys are close to it. Um, you know, you're talking about reforms to make sure that there is equality in the system. You're talking about reforms to make sure that there is a proportionality, meaning people don't get charged. Uh, that the, 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 the punishment fits the crime. Mm-hmm. You know? transparency people know exactly what's going on you it's hard to hold somebody accountable or a system accountable that's not transparent mm-hmm. and when it comes to criminal justice i mean we can talk about this later when you see numbers from criminal justice those are some of the most played with numbers and played with that de- data that you're going to find sometimes and that's just a lack of uh transparency um but something else you would look at is just restoration i think you hit on that like mm-hmm. is are there efforts of restoration within your criminal justice uh, system. Mm-hmm. So again, these are broad terms and they mean different things to different people. Really, when we're talking about criminal justice reform, it's all about the policy. Mm-hmm. Like, you, can't, you can't, you know, we can't take the perspective that criminal justice reform just as a, a as a term is good. Mm-hmm. It's really about the merits of the particular policies that you're talking about. There are there are some reforms that I wouldn't say are good. I mean, some people would say criminal justice reform is is abolition or uh, uh, you know or, or um, defunding the police in a real way. Now, different people say that means different things, mm-hmm. but there are certain iterations that I would say were, were bad. So we, we have to be more particular about policy rather than saying, oh, I'm about criminal justice reform. Therefore, any reform is good. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not a very um, that's not a very helpful way to go about the, the issue. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I think about when I think about criminal justice reform, I mean, the first thing I think about that I would really advocate for is getting rid of the privatization of prisons, things of that nature, where it's kind of like a a capitalistic endeavor to have prisons. Mm -hmm. But then I also think about what Joe Biden recently did, which was he um, promised pardons on the federal level for simple marijuana possession. Um, and he pretty much is kind of rolling back and encouraging all of the state legislatures to do the same, which is kind of like as a black man, you know, not I don't smoke weed or anything like that, but I can definitely see how that has been used as a tool of oppression on the black community for like a really, really long time. So when I hear that he's, you know, tackling that issue, it's kind of like, OK, this is something that actually has teeth. 
you know, this is something that actually is going to be able to like cause some real change. So like, you know, what is, what are your thoughts on that, that issue? Like, do you think that, cause, cause you know, some people think marijuana weed is just terrible for the, the youth and for, you know, the community. And I can understand that perspective as well. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't so much mind uh, a certain level of decriminalization when you're talking about people who use it. Um, mm-hmm. That's not something I do. It's not something I recommend. I think it can be harmful, but it's mm-hmm. also not something I think people can be serving heavy time for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is, though, you have to look at there is violence that comes with any you know drug kind of uh, 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 market, uh, and so, so that has to be taken into account too. But I like some of the stuff that the the administration has, has done in that regard. Again, I, I'm cool with kind of decriminalization. I'm not big on the kind of legalization to commercialization of, of marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, again, I wouldn't recommend somebody, you know, smoking as an adult in their basement. If that's what they do, I don't, I'm not thinking that they should go to jail for it. So again, it's one of those proportionality questions to say, Hey, does it really help our society to throw people in jail for what a lot of people would see as, as minor uh, violations? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like, you know, like I think like when people think of that, that like kind of brings back the mentality of law and order. I think about like the month of September uh, for the city of Memphis, man, it was just kind of like hectic. It was kind of chaotic. Um, a lot of things happened like within one week of each other. Uh, the first thing that happened, well, actually, the first thing that happened was a police officer was shot, uh, actually like chased down by like a group of people and shot. Um, and then two days later, uh, and by the way, we love Memphis. Let me say that real quick for y- for y'all folks who listen. Uh, mm-hmm. We we love Memphis, um, and we live in Memphis. So like, um, so this this our town, this our city. That's right, that's uh, right. But with that being said, like that happened, and then two days later, um, uh, a jogger named Eliza Fletcher was uh, jogging um, near the University of Memphis, and she was kidnapped and assaulted, um, and later murdered by uh, by somebody. Um, and it kind of came out that like that person had a record of um, ki- aggravated kidnapped he had kidnapped somebody um that person had ended up um i think he brought he brought the person in the store to get money at the atm and he and the person saw an off-duty officer and just started screaming and yelling um and that's how that person got away um and it was said that he got out early um so he had committed the crime he had committed that crime and gotten out early um and then like news came out later on that he had actually like raped somebody else like a year ago but they just didn't have the dna to prove Mm -hmm. that it was him uh and then so that happens um and then i want to say three days later um it was a 19 year old yeah ezekiel a 19 year old in the city of memphis started driving around the city shooting people um just shooting people i think Mm -hmm. he killed i think he killed at least three people i think two they said was Mm -hmm. not actually him um but they they suspected it was but it wasn't but he killed at least three people just and injured i want to say at least six driving around just shooting people and it came out that this 19 year old kid like four years earlier was charged with um first degree murder and they actually brought it down to um what did they bring it down to give me one second they actually brought it down to aggravated assault and he only served 11 months out of three years um so like in the city of memphis you saw that kind of like push for like everybody to serve their sentencing um and i i I thought that was unique Mm -hmm. because like people oftentimes think of like the black community is like supporting um, more progressive criminal justice reform. But like the mayor of Memphis, uh, um, Strickland, like he campaigned on law and order. And he was the first one out saying that like these people need to, you know, serve their sentence. And so like, can you talk about that a little bit and, and how maybe a misconception um, with like the belief that like black people holistically agree with like 
lesser sentences for, for violent crime and, and just all these things that impact the community negatively. Yeah, I think our perspective, obviously we're not a, a monolith, so different people mm-hmm. have different perspectives, but I think the general consensus in the black community is somewhat nuanced. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, I don't think you could say it's completely conservative or progressive. I think um, on the conservative side of it, we do want police. We don't want police harassing people. Right. We don't want police, right. police pulling people over for no reason and mm-hmm. being overly aggressive. Right. But at the same time, if you look at the numbers when it comes to something like defund the police, the black community ain't going for that. Uh, you know, if you <laughs> no. <laughs> in the community. Folks, no, you you actually do need police officers. There are people in our community that will uh, terrorize the community if there aren't police officers there. So we know mm-hmm. the need for Absolutely. it, but at the time we we can still see that there that there's need for uh, reform, and that's mm-hmm. the big thing that we have to look at. You know, as somebody who does appreciate and and advocate for criminal justice reform, I still have to again deal with the nuances. I think mm-hmm. it was G.K. Chesterton or somebody else said you can't talk about the cops like there are no robbers. And I think one of the things that we tend to do for those of us who see that the system needs changes, sometimes we go too far and we talk about criminal justice as if there are no victims, as mm-hmm. if there are no robbers, as mm-hmm. if the police aren't people who, in dealing with some of the stuff, can be a little bit traumatized themselves or they can overreact. And we need to do everything to train them to make sure that they don't do that. But we also do need a level of order, the good mm-hmm. order, that mm-hmm. says, hey, Police have a t- tough job. How do we make their job easier so that they can make the right decisions? Even if some of them do the wrong thing, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we completely hurt the relationship between the community and the police so that it makes their job harder to do. And you may, you end up with with more atrocities. So I think there's a nuance mm-hmm. there and it's a com- incumbent upon Christians and just responsible citizens not mm-hmm. to jump to one ideology or the other. But look at the merits of the case. Look at the policy. Look at what's going on in your neighborhood and don't just follow the narratives because the narratives are lies and a lot of and you just named it. The, mm-hmm. the whole idea that black people are super progressive when it comes to criminal justice it just isn't true. It sounds good. It might seem right because <laughs> of some of the things that happen to us. But we live in these communities. It's not mm-hmm. it's not just a theory. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not just doing theory in some, um, you know, some academic, uh, 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 you know, some high academic place. We have to live here. We have to deal with the things, the realities of the community. And so I think it causes us to deal with it practically, but also with the hope that things can be reformed for the better. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. The, the biggest piece you said is like we live there. Uh, we're not like, you know, like we're not some guinea pig <laughs> that you can try, try some, try some on. And like if it works here, then sure, we can, we can try it elsewhere. But that's oftentimes what it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, abolish the police and defund the police has always been. I feel like that uh, language was always never handled responsibly right. by the people who were pushing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because defund the police, if they were to say take it out of take the budget and adjust it so that it's not just going to policing, but mm-hmm. you got some going to mental health resources and, you know, healthcare and all these other, uh, you know, resources for the community. I feel like that would be much better received than abolish. You know, most people I know don't really rock with abolish, bro. Like, mm-hmm. not at all. Thing, man. Most, mostly that comes out of academia, right? It comes out of people that are just putting out yeah. theory, which we need people who put out theory, but they mm-hmm. need to have some communicate. They need to have some connection with the community because mm-hmm. you do see these mm-hmm. black faces who are talking about uh, abolish the police and all this other stuff. But many times they can talk good, but they're not really connected to the community. They're doing this from, again, 
an academic and theoretical place that's just not helpful when you're dealing with real realities of people dying uh, and just a level of disorder that comes from a lot of things, discrimination in the past and, and so on, but it needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and I want to ask you too about some of the extremism that we see on both sides of the issue. Like the AND campaign couldn't have been, you know, brought together at a more crucial time in history because there's been a fever pitch, I feel like, over the course of the last uh, five or six years that have just kind of hit like a, a, a forte, so to speak, where it's like you're either, you know, on this side or on this side. You're either for law and order or you're for criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with, with that being said, and, you know, obviously not trying to be partisan, but trying to be live life in a Christian from a Christian perspective. What are your thoughts on how the church should navigate this extremism we see uh, without cannibalizing each other the way we have, you know, say during the Trump era? Yeah, I think we have to walk into every conversation, number one, willing to listen. Part of the problem with these two sides going back and forth is that nobody's really listening. So we have to take the time to listen, to study, to do our homework, to make sure that we understand what's actually going on in these uh, spaces that we're trying to help. Uh, Because if you don't do that, you could be aiming at a problem that's not really even the real problem or not even knowing what the people who are going through it really want. Uh, The other thing is honesty. We can't want to win the argument more than we want to be truthful. And so whether it's conservatives or progressives, it's really about winning the argument. So you get all these cute talking points. You make the other side look as bad as possible. But there's no veracity there. There's no commitment to the truth. It's really mm-hmm. just about making the other side look bad, humiliating them and making mm-hmm. yourself sound as good as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. that's kind of like where we are politically, like as a nation. And I could think of, uh, man, I'm going to butcher this quote, but I could think of uh, David French. Like he has a quote that kind of says um, the gist of it is basically like, if you talk to somebody and you get turned off, if you talk to a Christian and you get turned off by that Christian where you no longer want to talk to them because of their political affiliation, then maybe you found your true God. Um, and I think that like, that's kind of like where we are in a lot of ways societally um, and, and kind of like shifting gears um, because this, I mean, you are into politics and things like that. So like the midterms kind of like they're almost over, right? Um, we still got, we still got to figure out Georgia and whatnot, but for the most part, like we know who, we know who's running the Senate. We know who's running the house at this point. Um, and I think that like, it's kind of added to this too. Like the fact that we're no longer campaigning for ourselves, we're campaigning as to what we're not. Um, and like, that's kind of like what, what we saw a lot of in the midterms, like some of those people won. So like, what, what were your like general takeaways from the midterms? It was interesting. It wasn't what a lot of people expected. A lot of the polls were wrong. And so Mm -hmm. it misled, it misled people to think, uh, that that it was going to be a red wave. And I think that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing that happened. There was just not the red wave that people thought there would be. Mm-hmm. I think there's a few different reasons for that. I think, number one, Republicans put up some terrible candidates um, mm-hmm. here in, mm-hmm. in Georgia. I think uh, with, with all due respect, uh, I think Herschel Walker was one of the worst candidates I've seen in the Senate race ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and I say that respectfully. I'm not trying to clown the man, but it was bad. Like it was, I think it was, it was a bad, bad representation of the people that he's meant to represent. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yes, at Dr. Oz and Philip in uh, Pennsylvania, yes. Pennsylvania similar. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the things. You know, they put up these stop the steal candidates. They put up these really bad candidates mm-hmm. that a small percentage of the base wanted, and and they paid for it. The other thing was, while people are worried about the economic issues and inflation, I don't think Republicans really. Uh, 
had an answer for it. Their answer was just blame the Democrats. In fact, uh, uh, Senator McConnell, who's who's the head of who, who's the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, basically said, look, we're not going to come up with any economic policy because we're just going to blame them since they're in power. Mm-hmm. I've said this before. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's political. Um, I, I really think it's just wrong. It's immoral. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's practice not to have an answer for when people are really hurting because you think that's politically expedient. But I'll say this as well. In as much as as the uh, Democrat, in, in as much as the Republicans did poorly and set themselves up for failure, I think Democrats would be wrong to think that this is something that they did right that put them in this place. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. January 6th was, you know, this is the first midterm election since January 6th. Honestly, mm-hmm. y'all, they should have won anything, everything. There shouldn't, if, if they were doing what they were supposed to do, it would have mm-hmm. been another blue wave based off mm-hmm. what happened on that day. Mm-hmm. But for them still to come yeah. back and win the House, for a lot of these races to be competitive, I think Democrats would be uh, wrong to think that this was something they did right. They should still be looking for answers, still looking to how, how they can improve or else that well, red wave will come and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Um, right, and, right. and like, you, you know, like the Democrats, like, I mean, some people some people can call it savvy. I call it shysty, honestly. If you don't know what shysty is, then like, I'm sorry, uh, go to Urban Dictionary. <laughs> but uh, but like, like I feel like what they did that was kind of shysty was like they poured money into like these stop to steal, stop to steal candidates and whatnot and like made it to where like these people would kind of win elections. So like, yeah, at what point did. do you have to like actually campaign, like actually campaign for yourself? Or are we past that politically, do you think? Yeah, I think that was I'm with you. That was a be, what, what I would call a bad faith move. Mm-hmm. If Democrats want mm-hmm. to say that we're in this existential crisis, meaning this may be the end of democracy if these mm-hmm. type of candidates get in and then to fund those candidates meant that they weren't you know, you, they can't be taken serious on that point. Uh, if, yeah. you think this, if you think them getting in is going to end everything, then you don't help them choose their worst candidates. I right. get it as a strategy. And in mm-hmm. some ways it works. But it means that you don't really care as much about democracies as you say you do because you don't take that type of chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's right. the first thing I, I, I would say. Um, I think I think people need to run. I, I think again because there were such bad candidates, I think it did hurt the GOP. So, I, I, so how the candidate, who the candidate is, how they run does matter. But again, because there's so much polarization, it probably doesn't matter as much as it should now. In Georgia, mm-hmm. we had a situation where we did have a lot of voters who voted a split ticket, right? Mm-hmm. Some people voted mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, the Republican, I mean, Republican governor and then voted for the Democrat in the Senate. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. voted for the Democrat in the Senate. I, mm-hmm. I voted a split ticket. I didn't vote for every Democrat that was on that was on the slate. I didn't mm-hmm. feel that every Democrat was the best candidate. I think we should be mm-hmm. open to doing that more. Uh, and and that did happen in some places. And and again, I said this too. I don't know there if, if there was huge trends all over the country. I think some of this was regional, right? Because you mm-hmm. look at what happened in Georgia. You look at what happened in Florida, where Ron DeSantis basically turned swept Florida into yeah, swept the state one by twenty points. Where he you know initially he only won by point four points. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's some regional differences here that I think we got to look, look a little closer rather than just uh, kind of. I think a lot of people are assuming that. It's a national. These are national trends. I think there's mm-hmm. some differences where you work. Yeah, and even like yeah, Florida yeah. and New yeah, York. Let me, let me, yeah, let me, let me ask this real quick too. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Herschel Walker and um, Dr. Oz, and uh, we can even talk about Donald Trump. You know, there's like this trend of Ronald celebrities. Reagan. Yeah, Ronald Reagan. Well, yeah, but you know, it's it's even more like highlighted right now because 
these people have no experience under the sun of anything political whatsoever. You know, Herschel Walker, literally, I don't know what Herschel Walker did before he ran for Senate. But like, uh, what do you think is going to what is that going to do to our nation and our country if we continue to have this celebrity worship where it almost seems like celebrities are being pushed up in these high positions just because they are celebrities? Do you, do you see that trend continuing? And like, what does that mean for our, our nation if we continue to do that? Yeah, it's not something that I would encourage for sure. Uh, putting somebody in there. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some people who are just versatile and can do a lot of different things well. Uh, if, if there's a if there's a celebrity candidate that really is a good executive, then they should get a, a look. But mm-hmm. to give someone a huge advantage or to prefer someone mostly based on their celebrity, I, I do think it's problematic. Now, when you get yeah. people who have been in the public eye, they know how to communicate. Right. They A lot of right. times they know how to get a rise out of people. And so I, th- I think that's what helps some of these folks sometimes. Again, I don't know if there's a bright line rule that you should never vote for a celebrity, mm-hmm. but you should put mm-hmm. them through a, a high level of scrutiny, just like any other candidate. And I can see us going in the wrong direction yeah. if we don't take that process seriously. And we're more worried about yeah. celebrity than actually being, a- being able to do the job. And I think when you talk about Trump and others, that may have pay- played a role in uh, how they got to where they were. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people people are saying The Rock should run for president. I'm like, The Rock? Why? What? It's just it doesn't make any sense other than hey, they're a celebrity and I like them. <laughs> never never been to a political science class. Never went to law school. Never, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah I think we need to get out of that criteria. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and it's interesting just because like you know you think about Georgia, you think about like when Reagan ran, uh, he beat a pastor. Um, he beat. Uh, Jimmy Carter was a pastor at that time, um, or he was pastoring mm-hmm. at some points. And, and like, it's kind of like not exactly the same thing with Warnock, but it's, it's funny to see like history repeat itself in some capacities. Um, but <laughs> we already talking about Georgia. We already talking about 2024. So like, what do you think is going to happen with the runoff? Um, no pressure. If you get it wrong, we just going to antagonize you for a week. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> in 2024, what do you think is going to happen then? Whew. So um, for the runoff in Georgia, I think I think um, Senator Warnock's going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that the Democrats already have the advantage in the Senate, I just think mm-hmm. there won't be enough. Um, the Republicans won't be motivated enough to co- to come in and make it happen. Where I think Democrats uh, will will uh, put him over. I mean, he won the first time; he just didn't get over fifty percent, so he had more. He didn't win, but he had more votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I, I think he I think he wins um, probably about sense. more votes than he did the first time. Yeah. Uh, in regard to 2024, so much is up in the air. Um, mm-hmm. We know that Trump is running, which for me wasn't exactly what I wanted to hear. I was hoping we could move on because I'm one of those people that I want two strong parties. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to, to have a hard decision between who I'm, who I'm going to vote for. And I just don't think Trump provides us that or adds anything positive to to what's going on in our in our political landscape. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is Biden going to be able to run? I mean, you know, both these these are some old guys. Mm-hmm. And so you know, <laughs> be in a position where they're healthy enough to run and move forward. If Biden doesn't run, who runs? So you mm-hmm. got people like Kamala. You got I mean, there's a lot of people who want to step up and run. It's hard to say. So I, I can't make a I, I can't make a projection when it comes to 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just hoping that we get some new blood in there, that 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 we bring in some folks who, who are who are, know what they're doing, who are positive. But it's time to move on from some of the places where we've been. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're right, man. Biden, you know, he's he's not looking too sharp right now. You know what I'm saying? I think he's had some Alzheimer's moments here and there, caught on tape. 
And it's kind of concerning because that's still two more years from now, you know, so he's only going to be getting older and older. Yeah, and we love our older brothers and sisters, but most of them will tell you they, you know, they wouldn't recommend that your your uh, president be yeah. their age, right? right. So um, drop. we, we got to be careful with 100%. that. 100%. Okay, well, you know, um, we did want to ask you about the Christian Civic Leadership Academy. Can you tell the people a little bit about what that is and how they can get involved? Yeah, so we just launched it last year, our Christian uh, a civic, a Christian Civic Leadership Academy. And really, it's for Christians all over the nation who want to either run for office, who want to uh, be uh, and run it, run political campaigns, uh, who want to understand policy better. This is really for the Christian who's interested in politics that just doesn't know where to start and how to give, get involved. It's a 10 week program, a 10 week cohort where we talk about the theology behind how Christians should engage, the ethics behind how Christians should engage and also the X's and O's. Let's look at what a political campaign looks like. What's the job of a, of a campaign manager? We get into all that different stuff as well as policy to, to put you in a place where you understand what's going on. And we hope you work on kind of a, a leadership development uh, plan so that you can actually get in the game if that's something that you want to do. So we're really excited about it. Again, it went really well the first co- in the for- first cohort. Mm-hmm. And if you want to uh, apply, you can just go to our website, which is andcampaign.org. That application is o- open and uh, we'll be starting that um, that next cohort in April of uh, 2020. OK, yeah, we'll definitely put that link in the yeah, show yeah. notes. Um, Please do. And, and and lastly, um, your monthly prayer calls. Um, how does that work? How does one join that? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is you want to get on our uh, email list. If you're on our email list, you'll, you'll get messages about our, our monthly prayer call. And really, mm-hmm. that's just bringing brothers and sisters together to mm-hmm. pray to kind of focus, focus in on the issues and, re- and really to have some fellowship uh, around centered around prayer. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that Christians should be doing all the time. It's something that we should be doing together. And the AND campaign is just trying to do our part to bring Christians together to pray about some of the issues that we worry about, but sometimes fail to put into to the hands of God. Yeah. yeah, man. And look, man, I want to say this to all my Georgia listeners. I know you live in Georgia. I'm from Georgia. And uh, I just want to say this. This is Ryan talking. If y'all let Herschel, if y'all let Herschel, not the Pappy Walker, win the Senate seat in Georgia, yeah, I'm gonna have to drag y'all for the rest of this year, bro. I promise you, y'all need to go out there, vote, do your thing. Let's take care of business in Georgia. That's for Justin's listeners right there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we ain't we ain't finna end on that. Hey, Justin, <laughs> tell, tell me this, man. Uh, last actual last question: best rap album that you listened to this year. Ooh. Can I give you two? Yes. Sir. I have to go with that Black Thought. I thought Black Thought was tough. Oh. Um, and I just listened to that Lecrae. So Lecrae's up there. I'm, I have to take more, a few more listens. Mm-hmm. But those are the top two. I, I like that Lecrae. I like that Black Thought. Nas mm-hmm. was tough. I wouldn't put him in that, that top two or three, though. Man, I haven't even listened to the new law, new Nas. Yeah, now nah, that, that, that was tough. I, I got to listen to it one more time, though. I gotta listen to it one more time because it, it was re- it was really really good. I'm just trying to make sure I'm not missing something though, because people people talking a lot and maybe I just missed some bars or something. I, I wouldn't put it past myself. <laughs> he said I, I missed some bars. You know how you, you know how it goes. Folks just want to you know, yeah. Once they it's, once they jump onto something, they're gonna say it's the best regardless. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, well, man, Justin, hey, we appreciate you hopping on the pod for real, man. Uh, blessing us again with your presence, uh, your nuanced thought, um, and just like your um, your ability to just 
not be partisan in the midst of a partisan world uh, and partisan politics and all these things, man. We really do appreciate it. Now, thank you to brothers for what you're doing, man, bringing the gospel into real situations and applying it to politics and culture and all that. What y'all doing is really important. I just ask, I know y'all already doing your thing, but I just ask when y'all really blow up, don't forget about me. I love you. I love you. All right, man. Hey, uh, and follow us at Uncle Form Podcast on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube at Uncle Form Podcast. And uh, yeah, hit a like, Facebook, subscribe. And, and, yep, Facebook at Uncle Form Podcast, man. Uh, do that. And while you're doing that, make sure you leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed this podcast, as well as Spotify. So for Uncle Form Podcast, I am Darius Watkins. Yep, I'm Ryan Thomas. Hey, and we out.